You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, His Word, Your Heart, Part 5 of 5. Enjoy. Hallelujah. Okay, we're going to get into this final message in our series, His Word, Your Heart. His Word, Your Heart. His Word is the seed you need for your heart to be whole. Hallelujah. We're going to finish up today in this series. Uh, and this is how it works. God works by bringing to you His Word. This is how He moves. And if you don't know that, you're going to be looking around for signs in the sky. You'll be looking around for different colored clouds and, and what so-and-so may have said or, oh, that red light stayed red for an extra 10 seconds. That must mean this. And, oh, the wind blew a different direction on Friday the 13th. And that, you're going to look to, that's superstition. Looking to external things. Now, in the Old Testament, you realize they, they were not filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came upon them and was moving, but he was limited in what he can do because they weren't born again. So, and you know what uh, the, what is the umum and the thermum were? The high priest wore? They were stones that the high priest wore. Yeah, all right over his heart. Isn't that awesome? Right here, his word, your heart. But this is what they had to do, what they were. You can read about it in the Old Testament. They would inquire of God through the high priest. And if, I forget which one was which, but if one of the stones lit up, they knew it was a yes. If, if the other stone lit up, they knew it was a no. This is Old Testament. That's how they operated. Because they didn't have the Spirit of God as we don't operate that way because Christ defeated Satan and we're living in, in the finished work of God's Son. We're full of the Holy Spirit. So now we have the inward witness of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. We know what to do because He's inside of us, speaking to us, guiding us, and confirming His will in our lives. Amen. So when God wants to reveal something to you, uh, He will get His Word to you. What He would like is for you to regularly have your eyes and ears in it, and you'll find that as you're reading, things will leap off the page to you. You'll feel it in here. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. It's something that may have been written hundred or hundreds or thousands of years ago, but it's for you this moment. That's what it'll do, and I, I hope you're experiencing that. But you've got to choose to open your Bible. Get your, and he'll, he can do it in a digital Bible, but get your hard copy Bible. Get to know it, and let the, whole, the Holy Spirit will speak to you through this book about the specific, intimate little details of every area of your life. I don't know how he does it, but he does it. And he'll speak to you through ministers, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, and messages that you hear. He'll speak to you through the church, through the, your local church that you come to. And that's what this series is about, is uh, becoming a wise farmer, learning to tell what is good seed and what is bad seed, so that you can receive good seed and reject bad seed. All right? So that's what we're talking about because your heart is the garden for God's kingdom and it's His Word that is the seed you need for your garden to flourish. Okay? And many people don't understand why uh, their life is, is like it is and they don't realize they've, they've accepted bad seed. 
They've accepted things about God, about themselves, that man has said, that religious tradition has said, and they've believed that. They've, they've cultivated inside of them, and they have no strength to rise above what the enemy's doing in their lives. In fact, they, 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 they accept it, and they even think it's God doing it. And that comes from bad seed. Bad seed gives you a bad harvest. Bad seed gives you a bad uh, picture of what your father is like. It, it, it perverts your image of God. So we, we said there are, initially we said four, but it really is five, I guess, as I break it down. There are five uh, key truths that you've got to understand if you want to be a wise farmer. All right? We started uh, with God's sovereignty. So God's sovereignty and healing, they go together. God's sovereignty, healing, the Holy Spirit, prosperity, and grace. Okay? You've got to hear the truth about these five key truths. You've got to hear what God says, not what man says. All right? And, and we're not going to go back into it just briefly, but God's sovereignty has been wrongly defined by the vast majority of ministers in the earth. They've wrongly defined it. God is sovereign, but that does not mean that he's controlling everything. How do we know that? We look at the Bible, right? God in his sovereignty gave man sovereignty over the earth. Man rejected God. Satan stole that sovereignty and Satan became the God of this world. So, so God is not, he's not causing bad things to happen and he's not allowing bad things to happen. There's no difference, right? And I, it's very simple. If I'm a dad and I say, okay, I wouldn't, I wouldn't inject my child with sickness, but I'll allow my neighbor to do it, that's just as evil. Is it not? Yes. Right? Is it? Come on. Is it not? Then why would we ever allow, uh, accept any word, any seed that told us otherwise, right? God doesn't do these things. He's not controlling what's going on in the world. If he was, I'd say he had it in a pretty big mess. How about you, right? But he's not. My goodness, God is, is good and he's love and he's purity. He's holiness, okay? Healing, so you've got to know the truth about God's sovereignty. And you've got to reject any messages that you hear from anyone that are contrary to what God revealed to us in his word and through his son, Okay? And we're not going into that. You can listen to the last two weeks about that. I could preach on that for the rest of my life because it's such a giant. But we're just going to be led by the Holy Ghost. Second thing is healing. You've got to know that it's always God's will to heal. Every time. Everywhere, every time, for everybody. Always God's will to heal. You can't say that. I just did. It's always God's will to heal. It's always God's will to heal. It's God's will always to heal. It's always God's will to heal. It's God's will to heal. That's why he sent his son, to reveal his will to us so there would be no question about it. So we don't base what we believe on how we're feeling or what's going on in the world around us, but on the person and ministry of Jesus Christ, right? All right, let's get into the third thing. So God is good, his sovereignty, right? You got to understand his sovereignty according to the word, not according to man's tradition. You got to know it's God's will to heal you, and you want to hear messages that are telling you these things regularly. All right, so that your garden gets nice and strong. And the Holy Spirit is for you today. That's number three. We're going to try and do the last three in one message. This will be good. All right, the Holy Spirit is for you now. That's number three. 
Then prosperity and grace. And again, any one of these, and as the Lord leads, we'll, we'll see what we do, but you could take uh, a whole ton of messages on any one of these. But the point of this series is just to make you aware of the basic truths so that you can be a wise farmer in what you're putting your eyes and ears on, okay? So we're not going into, de- into detail, a lot of detail about them as much as we can. So the Holy Spirit is for you now. Let's go to Mark 16. Mark 16, Jesus is talking. When Jesus talks, we listen, right? He's way better than E.F. Hutton. I know you may not even know what that's about, but that was an old commercial when I was a kid. And uh, there was a commercial, I think it was an insurance broker, or I'm not sure what E.F. Hutton did, an investment firm, I'm not sure. Is E.F. Hutton still around? Anyway, but it, the commercial was when E.F. Hutton speaks, everybody listens, right? That must have been an investment firm. Hallelujah. But when Jesus speaks, man, we're all ears, right? Here's Jesus talking, and he's already risen from the dead. This is the risen Christ speaking. He's just about to go back to his Father. The Holy Spirit is about to descend in about seven days. Wow, what a time, huh? And he has something to tell them before he goes. He says, and these signs shall follow them that believe. So what if I don't believe? Won't see the signs, right? We don't follow signs. We believe Christ and then we see the signs, right? We don't follow signs. We believe him and we see the manifestation of what he said, right? People looking for signs are people who don't believe. Hello. If someone's looking for signs as someone who's, who's, not, who's not believing in what Jesus said, we, we take him at his word. Them that believe, in my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who said that? Jesus. Let's go to Acts. Well, actually, let's pause. I, I, I want to... I don't want to go too fast here. They will speak with new tongues. Let's read verse 18. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. We believe it. That's why we're not afraid of deadly things, because they're not deadly to us. To believers. You can tell when someone's believing because they're not afraid. Someone's afraid they're not believing. It's just that simple. Someone's afraid of deadly things is because they haven't been meditating in what Jesus has said. Now what's the deal with tongues? Why would Jesus say that? They shall speak with new tongues. I mean, couldn't he have said something more relevant or more important than new tongues? Why tongues? What's the big deal? Why? Well, Jesus thought it was important enough to tell it to his disciples before he ascended back to the Father and said, this will, those who believe will do these things. They'll speak with new tongues. What is Proverbs? Can we put Proverbs 18.21 up there? See, Jesus is not caught up in the contra- religious controversy of the day. He fellowships with the Father and he says what the Father tells him to say. He knows how we're made, doesn't he? 
He knows what the most important part of us is. And what is it? Tongue, right? Death and life are in the power of the biceps. I'm sorry. Are in the power of the six-pack abs. No. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Whoa. Most Christians may have heard this verse, but they don't know it. The power of the tongue. What does Romans 10, 9 and 10, 9 and 10 say? That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, your mouth, death and life are in the power of, that's what your tongue means. It, means. it doesn't mean this muscle right here. It means the words that you speak and believe. You understand that? Death and life are in the power of the words you speak and believe. Death and life are in the power of the words you speak and believe. We're not moving too fast, are we? We want to go to the book of Acts, chapter 2. All right? These signs will, will, will follow them that believe. They will speak with new tongues. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, of the words that you speak with your mouth and believe in your heart. Hallelujah. You can transform any situation by faith-filled words. Not fear-filled, faith-filled. I've seen a lot of prayer over the years and even a lot of confession of the Word that is fear-based. It's motivated by fear. It sounds different when someone's praying or speaking out of fear than when they're speaking out of faith. There's a peace when faith speaks. There's a confidence and a knowing. Hallelujah. In Acts chapter 2, Jesus is he's with the Father now. And it was about seven days, maybe ten, seven to ten days, went on until the day of Pentecost from when he ascended. And it says on verse, uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were, with, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. Now, we didn't read it, but they were obeying Jesus' instructions to them. 120 of his disciples. He told them to stay in Jerusalem, don't go anywhere, don't do anything until you receive the Holy Spirit, until you're clothed, baptized in the Holy Spirit. All right? So they're there. They're obeying him. They're worshiping him. They're fellowshipping together. They're all together in what's become known as the upper room. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. This is the Bible we're reading. We believe the Bible, right? And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What is this? What Jesus told them would happen. Right? You see that? You see how these three passages tie together? Mark 16, Proverbs 18, and Acts chapter 2. 
The Holy Spirit will tie the Bible together for you. He's tied together verses in Genesis to John, to 1 John, to Ezekiel, to Malachi, to Titus. He'll put it all together for you by His Spirit. I love when He does that. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. What happens when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit? You begin speaking in other tongues. But, 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 but. That's what the Bible teaches. You'll see it all throughout Acts. Now this was a brand new thing in the earth. Never happened before. All right, let's read verse 14. So what did the people who weren't filled with the Holy Ghost think of the people who were filled with the Holy Ghost? We're not going to read it all for time's sake. They said they're drunk, right? That's the, and this, you may be accused of the same thing. You know, it's funny how the world will, will let you be depressed and sob as long as you want to. But when you start getting happy and laughing and singing, they want to stop you. No! Ha, 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 Jesus is Lord and I'm going to praise Him all the days of my life. I'm going to rejoice in Him and leap up and down and thank Him. I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost. So they're calling Him drunk. Now wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be sad if there were Christians today who didn't believe this and criticize Christians who do? Wouldn't that be sad? Oh, I would, I would, I'd hate to see that happen. Verse 14. But Peter standing up with the eleven, so he's addressing the accusers, right? The criticizers. He lifts up his voice and he says to them, did I tell you where we're at? Verse 14. You men of Judea and all you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. This is the Holy Spirit speaking through Peter. You've got to discern the Spirit of God when He speaks. For these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. The Jewish day started at 6 a.m. So, uh, excuse me, is it 9 a.m.? This is 12 p.m., I forget. I think it's either 6 a.m., so this is, or this is either 9 a.m. or 12 p.m., I forget. But anyway, it's, it's beginning of the day. Yeah. <laughs> but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, or Joel. When was that? Old Testament. Before, before, long time before this ever happened. God tells you a long time. He tells you ahead of time. So you can, you can receive it. So the prophet Joel, that's, that's in your Bible, right? Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, Right? And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And what happened when he did that? They began speaking in other tongues. Come on, we believe in the Bible. Isn't that what happened? Isn't that what this whole conversation's about? And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. We're going to verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent. What's that mean? Change your thinking. Stop criticizing what the Holy Spirit's doing and get in on it. Stop doubting and believe. Stop doubting and believe. 
What some call criticism is called doubting. Hallelujah. What does not come from faith is sin, the scripture says. Ooh. Mm. Hallelujah. Verse 38, then Peter said unto them, change your thinking. Change your mind and your purpose. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you. And to your children. And to all that are far off. Even as many as the Lord our God should call. So if someone comes along and tells you that was just for them in the book of Acts, is that good seed? No. no. Not coming in my garden. Uh-uh. There's, there's speaking in tongues in my garden. Oh yeah, I, I cultivate that every day. Man, and now that I've been doing it for, I don't know, 30 years, I, I, I would not want to live one day without it. It transforms me. I can see things I could not see without it. I hear things I could not hear without it. I understand things I could not understand without it. I can believe God for things that I couldn't believe God for without it because you build yourself up on your most holy faith as you pray in the Spirit. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. So Jesus is our standard for the Holy Spirit, right? He's our standard. Hallelujah. Now, let's see how I'm trying to get this in here. Okay, we're going to do it. Hallelujah. Now, we don't have time to go through Acts, but I encourage you to go through Acts. And you'll find that this is brand new. The, the, this is the New Testament church, first time ever in planet Earth. It's a whole new thing. You understand it takes people time to adjust to new things, right? So they were so excited. You can read about it in Acts chapter 2. 3,000 people received that day. And they just began fellowshipping. They committed themselves to the apostles' teaching, it says in, in chapter 2. And they were fellowshipping in the temple listening to the good seed of the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the, the fullness of the Spirit. Every day, they said daily they were meeting, and in homes, they were meeting in the temple and in homes, and they were just having a blast. Well, what does Satan do? He wants, he wants them to stop meeting, because he knows if they keep meeting, lives are going to be changed. So he wants to stop them from meeting. How are you doing at home? <laughs> he wants to put an end to meeting together. And he'll try and scare you out of it. The boogeyman's going to get you. We're in the book of Acts, right? Just, taught, just reading the Bible. <laughs> Woo! So what happened? Persecution broke out against the church. The religious experts couldn't take it anymore. They were losing too many people. The people weren't buying their seed anymore. So they started accusations, right? And, and, and persecution broke out, and they began to arrest and drag away 
uh, the, the people who were planting the good seed. And, and the church in Jerusalem scattered. And they went all over the place. Okay? And in a lot of places they couldn't meet publicly. Or they'd be dragged away to prison, arrested. So they would meet in homes. They would do whatever they could. Okay? But they traveled. Some of the disciples, some of the apostles stayed in Jerusalem and some of them traveled. And they would meet other believers who didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. You can read this in the book of Acts. I'm just talking to save. So I'd like to go through and read it with you, but you can do that. And they said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And, and, and the apostle who is ministering to them teaches them, prays for them, and they get baptized in the Holy Spirit and they speak in tongues. It's for you today. There's, 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 there's no question about it. If you just read and believe the Bible. So I'll just say this to you and we'll move on to prosperity. If you're not speaking in tongues, if you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the evidence of that, the Bible evidence, the right now today evidence, you will, what, how, what does that mean you'll speak in tongues? Okay, here we go. So let's, let's, when I receive Jesus Christ as Lord, I'm receiving all he did for me on that cross and in hell, Right? So I receive forgiveness for my sins. I receive righteousness. The Holy Spirit comes to live in me. He makes my spirit brand new. But you know, you can receive that and simply because you haven't had the teaching, you may not receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But you're born again. You're one with God. You're His. But you're not experiencing the fullness, this fire that Jesus commanded His disciples to walk in. So if I'm in that situation, well, all I've got to do is go back to the Word. Just read Acts 1 and 2. Just do that. Just read it and open your heart to the Holy Spirit. That's all you got to do. Just read Acts. Go home today. Read Acts 1 and 2 and say, Holy Spirit, baptize me. Okay? Now, I want to encourage you, give you a little help in that. Start to worship Him in your primary language. Mine's English. I'll say, hallelujah, God. Fill me with your spirit, just like the book of Acts. Baptize me, Lord. And, and just praise him in your primary language. And then let go and let your spirit begin to pray and, 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 and turn your head off, so to speak. And you'll go from hallelujah to What's happening? When you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is empowering your tongue to pray in a language you've never studied. What's the benefit of that? Your head won't get in the way. Too many times when we're praying, this gets in the way. This is the primary, I think, benefit of praying in the Spirit, when you're praying, your spirit has no problem believing God. Up here is where the battle is. Okay? So when your spirit prays, it's perfect fellowship with God the Father. It's perfect flow. There's no but, uh, well, what about, uh, I don't know, maybe that, he said, well, she said, I thought this, and they thought that. What? There's none of that. 
It's just Jesus and you. Your spirit and God's spirit going after it. All right? That's the benefit of being, praying in the spirit. All right? I hope that wasn't too fast. You doing all right? So that's the third one. So we got God is good, number one. His sovereignty, he's not controlling everything. He's not causing or allowing bad things to happen. He's good, right? Healing, it's always God's will to heal. Hallelujah. Three, the Holy Spirit is for you today. Speaking in tongues is for every believer, according to Jesus. It's for every believer. Of course, it couldn't be for unbelievers, right? Because you have to believe to do it. Everything God wants to do in your life happens by faith. You have to believe what he says. And don't get down on yourself if you have a hard time believing. Just spend, stay with it. Get in the word and just keep reading it. You know, you might read Acts 1 and 2 a hundred times. I don't know. Um, it, was, it was something brand new to my wife. She had a lot of years of no, 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 no in her head. And I'm saying, yes, 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 yes. It took time. And she, we got in the Word. But the word, the word wins, right? And she has a heart after God. So she just continued to get, read the Word and submit to the Word. And all of a sudden, there we are in our couch, in the first year of our marriage, in the living room, praying in the Holy Spirit, right? God is good. Hallelujah. Back in 1995. We were married on the last day of 94, but... Baptism of the Holy Spirit 95 for Jennifer. Awesome. Wasn't that fun? It was so fun. Woo-wee. Just, just God's so good. Let's get into prosperity. The fourth thing, prosperity. So remember, you're wise farmers now. Why are we going over this? So you can reject bad seed. Now, that doesn't mean I say anything to anyone, you know, or I, I make a big deal out of it. You know, someone comes along and, and, and starts, you know, Sowing some bad seed. I, I usually I may not say anything. I just don't receive it. I'm I might be kind to them. I might say just thank you and you have a nice day, or uh, I don't know, you know. But I, I may or may not say anything. But it's what's happening in here and here that's important. So and you hear and and of course now as wise farmers we're always looking for good seed. So we purpose to put good seed in our garden. So what we want to hear words that agree with these good truths of God, right? We want to hear preachers, ministers that preach this good seed. That God is good. He's not causing or allowing these things, right? That it's always God's will to heal. The Holy Spirit is for you today. Speaking in tongues is for you today. The gifts of the Spirit are for you today. Didn't have time to get into those. It's all for you today, just like the book of Acts. The book of Acts is still being written. All right, prosperity. Oh, my. Ah, I got to roll up my sleeves on this one. Let's go to Jesus again. To Jesus for prosperity? Oh, yeah. Luke chapter 5. Remember, Jesus is the express image of God, the exact image of God the Father. And we learn everything we know about God through Jesus. By the Holy Spirit. Yes, we do. Because he's God, right? God is, is Jesus, God, Jesus, God, Son of God, only begotten Son of God, is wanting to preach the good news to a crowd of people, but it's too crowded. Luke chapter 5. 
Verse 1, came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God. I like that. Woo, they're hungry. He stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them. And oh my, there's so much going on inside of me. And were gone out of them and were washing their nets. Listen, there are practical things that have to happen in order for the word of God to be preached. And, and people get this false idea of spirituality. These chairs didn't automatically appear. These lights don't automatically come on. The floor doesn't automatically get clean. The bathrooms don't automatically clean. This sound system doesn't run automatically. You know, there's a, there's a whole lot of money in this place to preach the gospel. Thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars worth of investment just in some of this equipment. It takes practical effort to preach this gospel. That's why we need everyone in the body to participate. So he needs a place to preach the gospel. And he's looking at a business, two ships, fishing business. And he enters into one of the ships, which was Simon, that's Peter. Peter's family had a fishing business. And prayed him, that, or asked him, that's all that means, asked him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Hallelujah. It takes, that takes a commitment from Peter, right, to use his resources for the preaching of the gospel. If you've ever done any work in a ship or been on a ship, it takes money to operate a vessel on the water. I don't care what size it is. So this was a commitment for Peter. They were already uh, assured, and he launches out again enough for Jesus to preach. And this wasn't a little boat like you see in the Jesus movies. This was a ship. All right? King James translates it properly. It's a large vessel. And when he had left speaking, he said in a sign, launch out of the, okay. Oh, excuse me. I'm jumping ahead here. So he taught the people. Jesus sat down in this ship and he taught the people the word of God out of the ship. Verse 4. Now when he had left speaking, he's all done. We don't know how long that was. You know, Paul preached the, the message one time all night long. More than one time. And people want to have this 20, 30, 40 minute church. We need life. We need life. You can't live off of microwave food. You've got to have homemade quality cooking that takes time to prepare and takes time to bake and cook. We need it. I can't give you some little microwave message. This is not a microwave church, we don't have a drive through. Hallelujah. Now look at Jesus. Is Jesus conscious of the sacrifices we make for his word? Come on. Is he conscious of this man's fishing business? He just asked this man to give of his business so that he could preach the word. Is he conscious of that? Oh, and, and God keeps perfect records of everything we give. And everything we sacrifice. And he pays back exponentially. 
So he's done preaching, and he says to Simon, the businessman, the fisherman who owned this business, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering says unto a master, we have toiled all the night. That's a lot of work. Fishing is hard work. And they've been at it all night. And here comes the son of a carpenter preaching the word of God, telling them to go out again. Simon answered, said, Master, we've toiled all night and we've taken nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to do it. That's a wise businessman, right? So when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, the King James says, and their net began to break. And they beckoned under their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. What is this? This is a Abundance. This is God's will for you and for your business. Prosperity. More than you can receive and take in. Hallelujah. So my two ships couldn't hold the abundance that God wanted to give them. Two ships couldn't hold it. Hallelujah. How many accounts do you need to hold what God wants to give you? A lot. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. You see, the prosperity of God, the goodness of God, leads us to change. It transforms us. The Scriptures say the goodness of God leads men to repentance. Prosperity leads men to repentance. Preaching prosperity changes us and transforms us because prosperity is a part of the very nature of our Father. Oh boy, he's preaching that prosperity gospel. I don't know of any other gospel than the gospel in this book, and it is a gospel of prosperity. Don't listen to the critics. They're just, they're unbelieving is what they are. See, we read this and just keep on going. We're talking about a a fishing business. How many bucks did this translate into? I don't know what what denarii. I don't know what their money was back then. We're talking about a huge revenue here. They've been working all night and just at the word of God, two ships full. We're talking about money, revenue. This might have put them over for the rest of the year. One word of God puts you over for the rest of the year. For years to come. Woo! For he was astonished, and they that were with him at the draught of the fish which they had taken. The prosperity of God astonishes people. It moves them to change. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, fear not. From now on, you're going to catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed. And the prosperity of God moves you to forsake all and follow him.
We are people who've forsaken all and follow him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. You know, Jesus did this again after he rose from the dead. He did it again after he rose from the dead. It's his calling card. And we're not going to read it. It was in John chapter 21. He rose from the dead. They didn't even know it was him. And the only way they knew it was him because he told them to lower their nets and the nets filled with fish and they said, Jesus! Prosperity is God's calling card. It's who he is. It's what he wants to do in your life. Would you just believe him and let him do it? Hallelujah. Proverbs 10.22. I'm trying to move. <laughs> Proverbs 10.22. This is the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. You're going to criticize that? You're going to call that a false gospel? You're going to now take this and put it in some category of, of blasphemy? This is the Word of God. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. You know what causes people to say there's this false prosperity gospel out there? Their hearts. They've got bad seed in there. They think God wants us to be poor. Do you know, I've met, I've met some poor people that were very arrogant and selfish. I met some poor people that are very humble and loving. I've met rich people that were very lo loving and humble. I've met rich people that are very selfish. It has nothing to do with the money that you have or don't have. It's all about your heart. Money is not evil. <gasps> Did he really? What does the scripture say? The love of money. What does that mean? Selfishness is evil. Amen to that. Right? So uh, money has no hold on us. It's just something that we need to operate in this world. That we need to, to get the ships, to get the chairs, to get the equipment, to get the buildings, to do the things that God wants us to do. To live the quality of life that Christ came to give us. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. And he has no sorrow with it. It's different in the world. There's a lot of sorrow if you do it the world's way, which is why we see history just strewn with successful people who ended their lives, had everything, quote-unquote, that this world, that money could buy, but they were empty on the inside. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. Why? When God speaks of himself, every promise, this is a promise of God, reveals the heart of God. We, we study the promises of God because we see his heart and his will clearly revealed in every promise. So, we, so is it God's will for you to be rich? Yes. I don't believe he just said that. Did I do that? Is it the will of God for you to be rich? It's the will of God for everyone to be rich. It's the will of God for everyone to be saved. It's the will of God for everyone to be healed. It's the will of God for everyone to be speaking in tongues. It's just simple. Just read God's word and believe it. Proverbs 22.4, let's see what humility really brings. Godly humility, not the false stuff the world teaches. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches. Don't you love God's word? It's shocking, isn't it? 
if we've been conditioned by this false uh, idea that poverty and humility go together. They don't. They have nothing to do with one another. Bible humility brings riches. Did I make that up? Am I trying to sell you something here? We're just reading the Scriptures, aren't we? By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Hallelujah. Psalm 105.37 This is God bringing out His people out of bondage for hundreds of years. He brought them forth also with silver and gold. Literally, the nation that they were in bondage to handed them their wealth. It wasn't their good business ideas. God's people didn't earn it. God's people didn't deserve it. God, it wasn't their shrewd business tactics. This nation simply gave it to him. In fact, the, uh, what is the scripture? The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. Amen. He, he, they went forth with silver and gold from poverty to wealth in a night. One night. That's all it takes for God. Just one word. Just one, one person to believe him. To change your whole status in life. In a night. Woo! And there was not one feeble person among them. Not one sick. Healing, health, and wealth in one night. My goodness. Psalm 112, verse 1. Praise you the Lord. Blessed, happy, prosperous, successful, to be envied is the man that fears the Lord. That means who has this awesome reverence for God. That when God speaks, he listens. He believes. He meditates in it. He delights greatly in his commandments. Woo-hoo, that's us, right? His seed, his children shall be mighty upon the earth. That's a great thing to speak over your kids. Our children are mighty upon the earth. The generations of the upright shall be blessed. Verse 3, wealth and riches shall be in his house and his righteousness endures forever. Woo! Yes. According to God, wealth and riches are connected to, to righteousness and humility and the fear of Him. According to the Bible. I know a lot of people have a problem with that, but it's the Bible anyway. I'm going with the Father. I'm going with what Jesus said, right? God says, I've got plans to prosper you. I've decided that you will be prosperous before you are born. Jeremiah 29, 11. 3 John 1, 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper. In other words, this is top priority to me. I want you to prosper. It's my will that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Hallelujah. Heart of God, right there. It's top priority to God. Your prosperity is his priority. Woo! Man, oh man, oh man. 1 Timothy 6.17 in the Amplified. As for the rich in this world, charge them not to be proud and arrogant 
and contemptuous of others. That's good, right? None of us should be, right? Nor to set their hopes on uncertain riches. Now look at this. Here's the nature of God. But on God who richly and ceaselessly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. If this isn't prosperity, I don't know what it is. I don't understand the word. All right. Man, oh man, oh man. The Old Testament comes to a conclusion, and then there's a period of silence for hundreds of years. No word of God from heaven. And it ends in Malachi. And it ends talking about what God wants to do in your lives financially. Malachi chapter 3, final book of the Old Testament before the Christ comes. Verse 6, for I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, sons of Jacob, you are not consumed. Even from the days of your father. So God's unchanging, unchangeableness keeps us safe. It's because he's unchanging, we're safe. We're secure. Even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? Hey, my phone's ringing. Telemarketer. Will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? But you say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. The ministers were not teaching tithing and offering to God's people. And it was a big deal to God. It was a big deal to God. They didn't, what's, what's, where have we, you haven't taught my people to tithe and to give offerings. And as a result, I can't move in their lives like I want to move. Anytime God speaks, it's not about him getting something. It's about him giving something to you. Peter, let out your boat. Why? Do you want a ship? No, I want you to prosper. You're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes, 10% of your revenue into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts. If, look here, now here's the heart of God. Why? This is what he wants to do. I want to open above your life the windows of heaven. And when you come to me in faith and bring your tithes and your offerings, it, it, it opens the door for me to move in your life financially like I've never been able to move before. I will open the windows of heaven and pour out, pour, pour out on you, pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive. That sounds like Luke chapter 5 we just read. Two ships full, couldn't even bring them in. That's how God wants to move in your life financially. Overflow, overflow, abundance, more than you can handle, more than you can carry, more than you can round up. Windows of heaven and pour out of you a blessing. There shall not be room enough to receive. And I will rebuke the devourer. Hallelujah. When I commit my finances to God, Satan can't touch them. Yeah. 
I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts, and all nations shall call you blessed. Prosperity is a, is a, is a badge to the world that God is our Father. For you shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. I'm giving you a ton of scriptures. I hope you're writing them down. Just the book, chapter, and verse. Luke 6, 38. Jesus, our master, our risen Messiah is talking. Now, he hadn't rose at this point, but he's the Messiah. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure. Give and it will be given. Sounds like God has a plan, doesn't he? He, but, but he's asking us to believe him, right? We act, he moves. Come on, do you see that? God speaks, we act, he moves. God speaks, we act on what he said, and he does what he said. God speaks, we act on what he said, and we experience what he said, right? He speaks, but then it's up to us to act on it. It's up to us to take that step and to believe what he said. Give that's our action on what he's just said, right? And it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Oh, God, you are too much. And running over will be put into your bosom. This is how God thinks. This is the will of God. This is the heart of God. For the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. This is the Apostle Paul. Jesus taught him the gospel of grace personally, appeared to him. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. He says grace, and you're going to see he's talking about money. Grace and money go together. Oh boy, he's really lost it now. The grace of God will show up financially in your life. Well, how did, how did the apostles see the grace of God in this church, in the churches of Macedonia? That in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. They gave huge offerings to the gospel. Wow. This is just the Bible. The Bible has so much to say about money. And, and you will be robbed if you listen to the critics. Don't listen to those prosperity preachers. Now, of course, there are pre some, I'm sure, that, that preach with wrong motives. But that doesn't keep us from knowing God. It doesn't keep us from studying the Word, right? If someone else is greedy, that's not going to stop me from, from being humble and receiving what God has for me. For I bear witness that according to their ability, excuse me, let's skip over, riches of their liberality. Verse 3. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. That's essential. This was not something that was forced upon them. It's something they wanted to do out of their love for, for what God did through Jesus. Imploring us with much urgency that we, we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. 
and not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. What is he talking about? Offering money, right? Giving, trusting God with your finances, right? See that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. In other words, these churches in Macedonia just demonstrated great liberality to God. I'm, I'm testing your sincerity by looking at their liberality. Whoa! I tell you, God gets into our business, doesn't he? Because he wants to give to you. I want God to invade every area of my life. I don't want any secret ledgers from God. Because they're not secret anyway, right? Hallelujah. When I keep a secret from Him, I'm the only one in the dark. <laughs> Woo! So I'm testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. My, oh my. That verse hit me now like it's never hit me before. Verse 9, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the giver of all givers, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Is that up there? I fully embrace the word of God. I don't care what anybody says. I belong to him. His word belongs to me. He's my father. I'm his son. I'm going with his word. And to sum all of this up, grace is the last point here. The goodness of God, understanding the truth about God's sovereignty, healing is his will for you all the time. Holy Spirit is for you to now, is for you now. Praying in the Spirit is for everyone who believes, speaking in tongues. Prosperity, number four, is God's will for everybody. And this is all by His grace. We don't deserve it. We're not smart enough for it. No one is on planet Earth. I don't care what IQ, their IQ is. None of us deserve what God wants to do in our lives. But He does it anyway. And if you try and work and earn this and do it, you're going to fall short of what He wants to do. And you're probably going to become very frustrated and grouchy in the process. <laughs> all right? It says, all by His grace. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace you are sozo, made whole, made prosperous through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And Romans 5.17 gives us the results of this grace. Romans 5.17 says, For if by the transgression of the one death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. That's us, right?
So all of this whole series, and this is part five, we're finished with this series, was to help you discern what you're listening to and reject bad seed and embrace and plant good seed in your heart. That was good. Wasn't that good? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo! Lord, we thank you. Thank you for sowing your seed in our heart. Thank you, Lord, for bringing ministers into our lives that sow good seed, that preach the truth of your gospel, that, that tell us that you are good, that you don't cause and allow bad things to happen, that you sent your son so that we can live victoriously in this life. He defeated the devil, and that through faith in him, we have authority over him, and he's under our feet forever. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for revealing that it is your will to heal all the time, that healing is for everybody, and that you provided that for us through your Son because of what he did, we're healed. Thank you, Father, for revealing to us your very Spirit, the power of your Spirit. Thank you, Lord God, for baptizing us in the Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of your Spirit in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for the ability to pray with our Spirit. Thank you, Lord God, for this precious gift and fire from heaven that you've made possible in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that it is your will to prosper us, Lord God, that your blessing brings wealth and adds no sorrow to it. Thank you, Lord God, that all of these things are a gift and by your grace that we can't earn them, we don't deserve them, but you've lavished them upon us because you love us. And Lord, we receive the abundance of your grace and the gift of your righteousness. In Jesus' name. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.